if I was going to tell a beginner who's into this is if you're going to start a website from scratch and then grow it and then flip it, pick a niche that you have some interest in. Otherwise, you're just going to get bored. And if you have done this a while, you know, done this a long time, or maybe a few websites you've grown, branch out to other niches because the same processes you use to build out your sites can be used in any website you acquire and the niche is not really relevant. Welcome to the Become a Writer Today podcast with Brian Collins. Here you'll find practical advice and interviews for all kinds of writers. Would you like to start a content website about your hobby that you could sell for many multiples down the road? Hi there, my name is Brian Collins and welcome to the Become a Writer Today podcast. Starting a website about a hobby that you have or an interest is a fantastic opportunity for you to create content about something you're really interested in. But it could also be a great way to earn more money as a writer and as somebody who's passionate about creating content. I know because that's what I did back in the day. I was passionate about writing. So I started Become a Writer Today. And years later, I'm able to earn a full-time living from Become a Writer Today. Compared to some other content creators, my progress was probably a little bit slow because I was doing this on the side while working a full-time job as a copywriter for a British software company. But to give you an example of the opportunities, typically a good content website will sell between 30 and 40 times the multiple of its monthly profits on sites like Empire Flippers. So if you're earning, you know, $1,000 or $2,000 a month from your content website, from affiliate marketing, or from display advertising, or from being in the Amazon Associates program, it's more than possible for you to earn something that cover your bills for a good chunk of the year. And it doesn't take too long to set up a content website that ranks either. One of the things that you can do to speed up the process is buying a content website that's already ranking and then applying your expertise as a writer. You can use marketplaces like Empire Flippers, Motion Invest, or Flippa. And if you do your due diligence, you'll potentially find something that you can turn into a profitable business venture. Now, I've used Motion Invest to buy a few websites over the past 12 months or so. And typically, the websites there range from around the $5,000 mark. And they've already been vetted, so you don't have to worry as much about doing due diligence compared to larger marketplaces like Flippa, where you really got to, you know, check the bank lick profile of the site that you're considering buying and so on. All of that said, I'm still relatively new to buying and selling content websites because I've focused mostly on building up Become a Writer Today over the years, apart from when I was working a full-time job and writing books. So I wanted to speak to somebody who's an expert in the topic. So this week's interviewee, his name is Mushvik, and he's based in Chicago. And Mushvik has bought and sold over 150 websites since he started his career as a content creator and website builder all the way back in 2008. In other words, he's an expert in the topic. In this week's interview, he explains what to do if you have no money and no budget for buying a content website, the steps he would take if he was starting from scratch, and how he buys, bills, and later sells his content websites. I also ask him a little bit about what his working life looks like and what his approach is for working and collaborating with other writers to build his sites a little bit faster. Now, if you do enjoy the show and you find it helpful, you can, of course, leave a short review on iTunes, Stitcher, Overcast, Spotify, or share it wherever you're listening. That'll help more listeners find the show, which I'd really, really appreciate. And if you really enjoy the show, you can become a Patreon supporter and I'll give you for a couple of dollars, discounts on my writing courses, software and books. All that said, let's go over to this week's interview with Mushvik. And I started by asking him to describe how we got into buying, building up and selling content websites. 
So much, Vic. I've been on your newsletter for quite some time, and we're also in the community together for content creators, which John Dykstra runs over at Fatstacks blog, which I'd recommend listeners check out. But could you give listeners a flavor for who you are and how you got started buying and selling content websites? Sure, yes. So I started in 2008. During that time, I just wanted to figure out how to make some extra money on the side. I was uh, just getting started in my uh, undergrad first year. So I, you know, stumbled upon smart passive income, these other guys who were building sites and essentially making income. So I started my own site from scratch, wrote all the content and actually grew that site. And then it was built out in 2008-9 and it was sold in 2010. The selling process was very uh, strange to me at that time, but I didn't even know websites could be sold. But some company reached out to me from Australia that had a, a portfolio of sites in the same niche that I entered and they gave me an offer and you know we closed the deal. So that's when I've realized that hey, there is this is an asset class, this is a, a business, it's not just a random website on the internet. And so that's why I started my journey then buying, selling sites. Since then, I've done about 175 what we call website flips. Essentially, I buy sites, I apply my techniques, grow them, and then I uh, sell them through various brokers or through my network. That's an awful lot of website flips, which which I was going to ask you about in a moment. Right now, the multiple for a content website is between 30 and 40 times monthly profit. Was that what the multiple was back in 2008 or has it grown over time? No, it's grown. Uh, 2008 would be more around 20. And why do you think multiples are so high for content websites? Like when I first saw these figures, it struck me as quite a lot. Yeah, I mean, demand has grown. It's a very, well, you know, it's much easier to run than any other business, I would say. And so the demand has grown. More people are putting their money into this. And also we consume media any type of media on a daily basis, whether that's writing, written media, video, or sound, music, uh, like podcasts. So, I mean, content is what runs the internet. So there's a lot of boom recently of people putting their money in over the past, you know, five, 10 years into these deals and seeing that there's lucrative returns and not much upkeep once they're kind of churning along. I should caveat that websites do take effort. It's not the easiest thing to do, but it's much easier than running, for example, a a laundromat or a a gas station, for example. Certainly is. It certainly is. I worked years ago with somebody who ran a laundromat and he spent a long time physically in his business premises, making sure things are working on time. Whereas with a website, you know, you, you can work as little or as much as you want on it. So the fact that you've gone to 150 different sites Plus, you must have a pretty interesting approach to niche selection or niche, as people say in the US. Would you be able to describe how you approach your niche or niche? Yeah, I say niche, so I'll say that. I'm niche agnostic. You know, because I'm buying sites, I buy sites from people. My target criteria is buying sites from hobby bloggers, hobby specialists, right? Somebody who's an expert in the topic, they wrote the content, they know what they're talking about. They put up the site for sale and that's what I'm looking for. So when if that criteria is hit, I'm not really I don't really care about what niche I enter. I do look at specifically if there is monetization opportunities in that niche, which most if not all niches do have in some manner. Yeah, so you know niche wise, not really, but if I was gonna tell a beginner who's into this is if you're going to start a website from scratch and then grow it and then flip it. Pick a niche that you have some interest in. Otherwise, you're just going to get bored. 
And if you have done this a while, you know, done this a long time, or maybe a few websites you've grown, branch out to other niches because the same processes you use to build out your sites can be used in any website you acquire and the niche is not really relevant. Um, and, and that's in that sense. At what point did you transition from creating the content yourself to working with other content creators? Oh, very early on. After I sold my first site in 2010, I realized that you cannot scale in this business writing the content. And therefore, that's when I started to look on for freelance writers and specialists. Yeah, I've been working with freelance writers more often on a couple of different websites that I'm running at the moment. It's an interesting experience working with other writers. One thing I suppose it's good to know when you're working with other writers is you get what you pay for in terms of uh, in terms of quality. And it's yeah. a balancing act between figuring out how many articles you want to publish each month versus the quality of those articles. When, when you're right. working on a particular website, how many articles or pieces of content do you try and publish each month? Or do you have a target? No specific target, but I can give examples. I acquired a site in the outdoor niche, who I think uh, quarter one last year, so early last year. And we put on 100 articles a month for about six months. So it was a lot of articles and now it's down to about 30. Um, yes. So yeah, when we, we go in sprints. Uh, we put a ton of content, quality content, vetted content onto the sites early on to get them ranking and you know get them to get the traffic up. But some other sites, for example, we have a site in the uh, health niche, which is a public site that's on my newsletter that you can follow along. That one, we're probably going to put about five, or so five to ten articles uh it's not such a big niche that has a lot of opportunities and also it's uh, more of a health related topic so we have to use nutritionists and you know specialists which the content costs are much more for those people than outdoor which anybody can really write about are you using a service like writer access or text broker or are you hiring writers directly i hire writers directly through upwork Okay. Could you give listeners a flavor for how much a writer is these days in particular niches? Like on writer access, I would pay between six and 10 cents a word. Yeah, good question. So I have a very strange, different way to do this. The way I do it is I like to give my writers consistent work and pretty much as, as in they're part of my team without being on payroll, right? So they, and there's a specific set of writers that love that because freelance writing is, is tough. You have jobs here it and is. there and you, you don't otherwise, right? So what I do on Upwork is I find writers that are not really like the top tier. They all have good written English, US-based writers, but they're not charging like 10 cents or something like that. They're um, in a much lower tier. Maybe they're just looking for a consistent side income rather than jump, you know, chasing the dollars per word essentially rate. And so I've been able to essentially say, look, I don't want to pay you by the word. This is a, a very, I, I don't like the idea of paying somebody by the word because a cents per word essentially. Because what happens is the bad writers will force com fluff content into it just to get the bigger pay payout. And, and it doesn't always make sense. And also it's not in my, I'm not the expert in the topic. So it doesn't make sense for me to tell you, you should write 2000 words on this article. You are the expert. You know how much needs to be written to have a good article. Sometimes that's 5,000. Sometimes that's maybe 700 words, right? So what I like to do is say, look, consistent income, 30 
to $50 an article fixed. Some articles you're going to write 750 words, some articles you're going to write 2,000 words, but you're just going to have a consistent workflow of articles from me that are already pre-given to you. So I'm going to give them like 100 to 200 article titles and outlines essentially and say, just do this you know, on your own time, you do it in one month, you get paid. If you do it in three months, you know, we can spread it out, but they know that they have this workload. And so that's how I kind of keep my content costs down and add an asset to my team of these writers. And they appreciate that. And that's not for everybody, but it is for a subset of writers. So it sounds like some writers are turning over dozens of articles a month. Yeah. Yeah. One of my writers is about 40 articles a month. Wow, that's impressive. That's quite a lot. And in terms of the content briefs, like it takes quite some time to prepare a good content brief, but I usually find it's time well spent because you get the wrong brief, you get the wrong content back. Otherwise, do you use any optimization tools like ClearScope or Surfer? Yeah, Surfer sometimes, but mostly um, Phrase is another one yeah. that I, I have been using. Now, you know, my game is is a lot of content, right? And see what sticks. Essentially, what I have seen that my two writers that I work with for my outdoor site, they're experts. I mean, these guys know their stuff. And when I give them an outline, they they don't like it. They're like, I don't want to follow the rules, right? Because they want to just write. They know what like the structure of the content should be, the headers, and essentially that there should be a header two, a header three, and header fours, bullet lists, and all that. But they just don't. They just don't want to like put content in the specific ways that i tell them to because i'm not the expert so they have pretty much said that look let me write you can optimize later which is what i what i like to do so i get the content from them the way they present it i post it and then i see if it gets traction right and with a good website with good authority the ones that i acquire i will see the the content starts to get traffic and that's when i go back and optimize it so for the 100 articles i post maybe 50 to 60 get traction immediately they get optimized the remaining may take more time and some are that just die that never rank yeah okay and do you work with any other team members like for example an editor or a graphic designer yeah i have a virtual assistant, let's call them a content editor, essentially. And they post the article, format it, to create the graphics, add it, links, pretty much everything. That's the uh, repetitive tasks. Okay, so that's probably a full-time role for that person if you're if you're publishing dozens of articles each month? Yes, it, it's a semi-full-time. So what I like to do, and this might be getting away from, please stop me. When I, my websites are starting start to earn enough revenue, I hire what's called a quasi website operator, essentially a person who takes over 80 to 90% of the day-to-day roles, which is formatting the content, interlinking, adding affiliate links, adding comparison tables, all the things that are kind of boring in my book. Um, And I focus on the growth, uh, new keyword research, new partnerships, new opportunities. So that operator gets about, depending on their expertise and the size of the site, about a $500 to $1,000 monthly uh, salary and you know they handle the whole process of that and that's only on a subset of my size that actually can sustain that uh, long term and then the newer ones i have a uh, virtual assistant editor who gets paid per article format so it's not like full-time it's not hourly it's like three to five dollars per article that they format and most of these guys are overseas yeah yeah no i work with virtual assistants as well overseas the website operator, I'm not as familiar with that model. Is is that somebody that you hire in Upwork as well or elsewhere? 
No, that's through my network. Um, this person is not you know, a virtual assistant or somebody who's just going to follow the rules. This guy knows, this person knows how to build a website, what moves the needle, and they've also have done website flips in the past. So I like to work with those kind of folks that, and the reason they're working with me instead of just doing their own projects is they get to learn from me and my processes and then use that in their, in their businesses. Makes sense. Makes sense. So that would probably free you up to work on quite a few websites at any one time. Yeah. Yeah. You know, I, I, I like to, at one point I had about 18 websites going. Um, this was you know, two, three years ago. But what happened was over time you focus on a few of them and the rest of them start to die unless you have a, a team in place, which I did not have at that, that point. And so what happened was I site was on a downtrend and I sold them all, essentially cleaned my whole portfolio yeah. started fresh and I pretty much decided that I will only have three to five large sites and then a few play sites, essentially test sites, um, you know, that, that don't take up much time. So I like to keep it around the seven to eight mark um, total. And these are all built on WordPress? Yes, all WordPress. Okay. Okay. And, and the primary monetization methods, is it Amazon and display advertising and affiliate marketing? I have started to cut down on Amazon recent times, um, but mostly it's uh, affiliate marketing. That's my expertise. Um, yeah. And uh, display ads is secondary and then Amazon. Okay. I suppose just to go back then to your process for acquiring websites. So when I bought websites, I've used uh, Motion Invest. I found them quite good because their websites are fairly affordable, but you use tend to use Flippa quite a lot. Uh, yes, I have not bought from Motion Invest. Um, I most of my deals are from Flippa or through my uh, network of people who want to sell. Okay, okay. And do you generally look for a website that's out of Google Sandbox mode and we're already ranking for specific terms? Yes, I, I only buy sites with traffic and um, age essentially. Okay, so so you wouldn't start a website yourself from scratch. I do. I do. So I will not start a website on a fresh domain, essentially just that you just go on GoDaddy or Namecheap and register and, and start a site. The reason is because it takes time, as you said, the sandbox, about six to 12 yeah. months to even get traction. I don't do that. I either buy an existing site with traffic. That's one to strategy. The other is I build sites on aged domains. Um, so domains that maybe the company that owned that domain went bankrupt and they never renewed the domain, but they, but the domain has a lot of good authority to it, attached to it. And so I can buy that and essentially build a relevant site um, on that domain and essentially get, reap all the benefits of that previous business. I think that's where I might have come across your newsletter. Actually, you mm -hmm. recommend a service. I think it's called ODYS Domains. Is that it? Yes. ODYS, uh, our domains, yeah. your SEO. Yep. They're a marketplace for age domains. Okay. And how long will you hold on to a website for before deciding to flip it? Yeah, that's a good question. So my ROI is usually obtained on a good website in eight to 12 months after acquisition. So even if I'm buying it like a 36, 35, 40x multiple, monthly I, I my ROI is in 10 to 12 8 to 12 months so after that I make a decision either if this is a vertical and niche that I want to dominate in so if that's the case then I keep it and I, I acquire more sites or more assets in that in that vertical otherwise I sell so um, yeah it's, it's either I want to dominate it or I sell it 
Okay, interesting. But the, the domination part, are you merging those sites together or just building them up in related related topics in that vertical, but on separate domains? Separate domains, diversify the risk. I don't merge sites usually. Okay, interesting. Interesting. Yeah, that, that's not an approach I'd considered. And at what point do you look at a site that you've been working on and say, you know, this, this isn't working? I'm, I'm going to call it a day or call it quits. Yeah, good question. If it's a site built on an age domain, or let's say even a new domain, if it's not getting traction within a year, 12 months, I sell it for whatever I can get. And if it's a website that I've acquired and I, let's say, get hit, it gets hit by a Google algorithmic update of some sort and I'm just not able to recover it within a th- three to six month period, I'm going to sell that as well. Okay. Okay, yeah, I suppose Google algorithm updates are one of, one of the big risks with content websites. Yep. So one of the products that you have that I recommend anybody interested in using to optimize their content website is your quick wins list. Uh, would you be able to describe what quick wins is and maybe just explain what one or two of the quick wins are for website owners? Sure. Yeah, it's uh, easy wins. So easy wins. Oh, excuse dot- me, sorry. <laughs> <laughs> no problem. Easy wins.io. And it's usually good for people who have a site with traffic. So one thing I did not mention, traffic is what brings in revenue. So even if you have a low revenue earning site, if you have high traffic, you have opportunities. If you don't have traffic, you have no opportunities. So if you have a site, if you're looking to buy a site with traffic or you have a site with traffic and it's a content site, then Easy Wins is essentially a database of I think right now about 122 strategies to increase revenues. And that can be from you know improving the site structure to doing what's called conversion rate optimization to um, different you know techniques to essentially 10x your growth, 10x your revenue. So one of the ones that we mostly have sites that are affiliate marketing sites. So one of the easiest wins on affiliate marketing sites is when you do like product reviews or buying guides, people tend to not add what's called comparison tables. Essentially, if you're reviewing 10 or 20 products, you should have a comparison table close to the intro part of your content that summarizes the top three of the 20 or 10 products, essentially the best, you know, best budget one, the cheapest one, and maybe the top of the line, right? Because readers are going to come to the page looking for all the information, but there's a huge subset of people that are just too lazy and they just want validation on which is the best product so that they can go and buy that. And so you want to cater to different audience types and actually comparison tables. I have added comparison tables to existing sites that didn't have them and it, it has tripled earnings um, overnight. So those are the one of the easiest wins. Others is I see a lot of affiliate sites that are product-based that don't add display advertising. Yeah. So you can you can have sites with both, you know, affiliate and display ads, and that will just increase your revenues immediately. So one of the challenges I found with creating affiliate content is it tends to be very competitive. Yeah. What are your thoughts on going down the the route of publishing articles that have little competition but some search volume, and then going for display advertising as a means of income? Yeah, you know that's the. John Dykstra's approach, you know, content, informational content. And and I do that. I'm not saying all my content is commercial affiliate content. I do informational. I like to have a mix though. The reason for this is that if you could sit down and calculate your costs of content, if you're paying five to 10 cents a word, let's say on average, 
it's going to take a lot of traffic, um, relative traffic, to get you an ROI that makes sense on that one person, one article. So if you're paying $100 for that article, it's going to take you some time with just display advertising. So, but with affiliate marketing, you can make significant commissions, right? So your essentially your ROI is much quicker. So I like to bundle everything together. Um, I like to use a, an approach of, you know, informational content and affiliate content part today because that's just going to increase your ROI of your site. Okay, makes sense, makes sense. And then what about setting up an email list for your sites? Is that something you look at as well? Yes. So my outdoor site has an email list of about 23,000. Email lists are obviously the, the moat of your business. Yeah, Google tomorrow could give you a penalty of some sort. There's just no guarantees. Your traffic can go to zero. But if you're collecting emails, that becomes the asset of your business. It's um, independent of you know, Google, essentially. So the, the way it works is you write content to get Google traffic, um, get your content yeah. uh, ranked, and then you funnel those users that are coming from Google to your email list. And then you're going to get about you know 2 to 4% conversion rate. So about 100 people come to your site, You know, 2 to 4 um, people are going to sign up to your email list. So it's not very high, but it, it adds up over time if you get hundreds of thousands. And the goal is then to send them informational content, what they signed up for, essentially something free, maybe some checklists, blueprints, or an ebook, and then give them informational content, but also then sell them on different products that you have or affiliate products um, that you're promoting. Okay, it's a good approach. What about when you're, well, actually, just to step back for a second, in terms of how much work you do each week, like what does your typical working week look like in terms of hours spent? Because this was one of the things the website says you can work 24 hours a day in them or you can work zero hours. Yeah, so I have a full-time job. So this is not, I've been, this is all on the side. That's impressive. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's, it's hard. <laughs> yeah, I can imagine as well. Yeah, you know, I worked a full-time job for the last few years before when I was running my sites, but it got to the point where I was working 60, 70 hours a week. So, so at the moment, I don't work a full-time job. Yeah, no, I, I work much more than that. And, and it's not always working. So, you know, because I'm in the, I purchase businesses essentially, right? So I'm always looking through brokers, connecting with people to see what they have for sale, building relationships, because it's about buying a, a legit business. And, you know, sometimes our acquisitions are in the 50000 to, you know, two $300,000 range. And so it's not a small task. And so I'm always looking out for the deal. So a lot of my week is on that. And I, I, I find that fun. I don't find that like it's a job. I'm all, you know, whenever I'm on my phone, I'm you know, looking for deals. That's the fun part. The hard part, you know, most of my week is managing my team, essentially giving them the tasks that they need to do. And, and then also putting together a plan on what what's going to move the needle on this, on a specific website that I'm working on. And sometimes if my team is too slow to do something, I go in and do it myself. So it's not working on that, working on the nitty gritty, but more on the growth strategy, which is less time consuming. And so, yeah, most of my week is on that, on those type of tasks. Okay. Makes sense. And if I was listening to this and you've convinced me that I want to start a content website, but I don't have a budget to buy one. Mm -hmm. or at least a larger one what would you say to me what advice would you offer to get started in this business yeah uh build a site from scratch i built my first uh site from scratch and then you know i learned the ropes so i would say build pick a niche that interests you 
let's say, for yeah. example, gardening or something you know, that you have an expertise in or finance or something. And to start the website, take a course. There's plenty of courses out there for beginners. Um, John Dykstra's Fat Stacks course, the Authority Hackers course, the Affiliate Lab. Anyways, there's a different courses that you can, you can um, purchase. And that's essentially you're paying for your education, which you would do if you go to school. So why not do it for starting a business? And then start up a website, understand how the, all the intricacies of that, add content to it. I would say write your own content from the beginning because you can control the quality. You understand keyword research. You'll understand how to format and structure content so that it ranks into search engines. And that's after that. You know, if that's starting to work, you can either sell that site or keep it. But then you know what to look for when you go and acquire a site. I've seen way too many beginners, and I'm seeing it now, when all other asset classes like stocks and you know, real estate are kind of all very expensive nowadays. And so they're seeing website assets as a pretty liquid and cheap asset class to enter, and they Put, they're putting hundreds of thousands of dollars of their own money without any knowledge of what a content website is into these deals. And, and, and that's a bad thing to do. So start from scratch, understand it, and then buy down the line. Okay, okay. And am I also spending time on tasks like link building as well? Yes. Yeah, yeah. You'd have to learn pretty much those courses kind of will walk you through everything. You should, link building can be done. If you are starting a site and if you're an expert in the niche and you represent yourself on the website, you're the face of the site, let's say, link building is much easier because you can you can reach out to other bloggers in your space and say, hey, look, I have this site. You want to do some sort of a partnership? You know, it's much easier. What happens in our industry is most of my sites, there's no face to it. I mean, I'm not the face of the website. It's usually my writers or it's a persona that's created. And it's much harder to build links for those sites because there's nobody standing behind it, right? An expert of some sort. So yeah, if you're gonna start a site, if you're a writer, which I get your audience is, pick a niche you're good at, you know, put yeah. your heart and soul into it, be the face of it, and you'll see link building is what once which is one of the hardest things in our industry, it becomes extremely easy. Makes sense. Makes sense. So much where can people find more information about you or your advice for content website builders? Sure. Uh, yeah. So I, I run a newsletter and the website about website flipping, essentially. And that's at thewebsiteflip.com. I have my case studies there that I do every month of all my sites that I grow um, and also various guides on due diligence and buying a site, brokers, pretty much everything you need to know to get started. So that's the best place to reach out. And there's a contact form if somebody wants to email me. That was great. Thank you. Thank you so much, man. I hope you enjoyed this week's episode. If you did, please consider leaving a short review on the iTunes store or sharing the show on Spotify, Stitcher or wherever you're listening. More reviews, more ratings and more shares will help more people find the Become a Writer Today podcast. And did you know for just a couple of dollars a month, you could become a Patreon for the show? Visit patreon.com forward slash become a writer today or look for the support button in the show notes. Your support will help me record, produce and publish more episodes each month. And if you become a Patreon, I'll give you my writing books, discounts on writing software and on my writing courses. Thank you.